0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Cade Warner shifts right, shotgun look, first and goal. Martinez gives it off to Mills, he gets down to one, leans, and they go up, touchdown. One official says touchdown, now they both do. It's a touchdown for Nebraska.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: Here we are on a signing day night of Sports Nightly. Welcome to the program. Tim gave you the big rundown in the ticker. We'll talk more about that as the night moves along. Football not included in this one. They'll have their own in December but just about every other sport is involved in this one men's women's basketball volleyball baseball softball all part of today's signing a very exciting day for a lot of high school athletes around the country you probably saw a lot of notifications from your local high school today with young men and women signing letters of intent for various sports various collegiate levels of competition so congratulations to everybody out there tonight. Here's what we have on the show. It's a Wednesday. That means it's Blitz night. We're going to take a spin around the league here in a couple of minutes. Check in on what's happening at Purdue, Wisconsin, and Indiana as they get set for matchups in Big Ten play on Saturday. Uh hour number two, another edition of the Husker Huddle. Jeremiah Searle sits down with former black shirt Zach Potter. That'll be a fun conversation to listen in on. We'll have that. We'll play our Big Red Replay, courtesy of the Nebraska Lottery, where we will play a snippet from Saturday's Northwestern game. If you can be the first person to call in and correctly identify the play, we're going to make you a winner, courtesy of the Nebraska Lottery. So that's coming up in hour number two. We'll have Buy Sell at the top of hour number three, and Matt Cotney who is part of our football broadcast and also voice of Husker Women's Basketball, will be along to talk about their signing day. Big class for Amy Williams. Five individuals inked with the Husker Women's Basketball program, and it's a consensus top 25 class. But let's start, Ben, with the negative news, and that's a cancellation in the Big Ten in football as Maryland has had an outbreak. Eight positive tests over the last seven days has forced them to shut things down so they will be unable to host the Buckeyes on Saturday and so Ohio State a team that is most would put right now in the college football playoff loses a game and so instead of having eight regular season games they're down to seven I'm sure there's a little bit of concern in Columbus about losing the opportunity to go showcase their talents again not surprised we're not done look at the rash of games in the SEC I think we're I think we're hitting a, maybe a dangerous stretch here for college sports. Yeah, and it
2: matches the trend nationally just where we're at with the virus. Cases everywhere are going up. Hospitalizations are going up. So I think everybody's fears of of what may happen with college football, you know, might be, you know, approaching the rearview mirror quicker than we would hope. But, you know, for now, we're still trying to navigate through it. Four SEC games canceled this weekend or at least postponed, and, and one Big Ten game canceled and several others uh, postponed or canceled. So um, it's starting to, to hit hit closer to home. It's starting to affect the Big Ten conference on a more regular basis. And, uh, you know, now that we're kind of in the thick of it, it's just, you know, as we say every week, every passing game, you just be grateful that Nebraska gets to play. And my first thought with the news today was how many Penn State guys have, have tra- tracked it down from what Maryland guys. At it, so you know. I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see on that regard. But as of now, I
1: haven't heard anything of affecting Nebraska at all. No, and or nor Penn State. They have not had any announcement today. Um, you know, and, and the, I'll repeat it. I don't need to repeat it. Everybody knows this, but this is again where the Big Ten left themselves no margin for error. Those SEC games that have been called off for the week. Most of them are going to be played in December because they have off weeks. They have built-in bye weeks into their schedule. So they're going to be able to make this good. Not the case in the Big Ten. Nebraska tried to add something and got slapped down by the league a few weeks ago. Um, Adam Rittenberg, and I know he was tongue-in-cheek in in it, saying let's have Ohio State-Alabama play this weekend. I'd be all for that. I would think that would be great. I would love that. Uh, And it doesn't have to be Alabama. Ohio State would have their pick of SEC teams that could go line up for a game right now. Because, as you mentioned, there are four games that are banged. And it's usually a case it's one school, not both. And so you have teams that would be able to play. Why not? Let them go play. I would applaud it if that happens. It's not going to, but I would applaud if that happens. So, tough news. And... If you're Ohio State, you're now probably starting to hold your breath a little bit because if you lose one more game, and that by, might be enough for some people in the committee to go, well, they just weren't tested enough. They just didn't get enough opportunities that they had to go try to play games. I don't think that happens because I think what what we've seen from Ohio State is, is they are clearly one of the top four or five teams in the country, but it does kind of reduce the margin of error for them. I can't wait to, to talk about the Badgers and our Blitz coming up here in a little bit and see where they are. Uh, I think I think signs are pointing that they're back on the field Saturday to take on Michigan in Ann Arbor. But we'll get an update on that here in just a couple minutes. Let's get back to the signing day part of it. Let's start with men's basketball. The two that were expected to sign, Ben, did, and and I think they're two players that Nebraska and Fred Hoiberg are excited about.
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, um, you know, Wilhelm is a. Is a big power forward, six foot nine, tremendous length, very versatile player, uh, and I think fits exactly what Coach Hoiberg wants to do. You know, with his style, uh, one of the h- highest-rated players Nebraska's had since you know in two thousand seven, I think. So I think um, that you know he's going to come in and and just really click with Coach Hoiberg and what he's asked to do, and. That that it, to go, go go get somebody from uh, from California nonetheless modern day that's that's one of the premier uh, not just basketball um, places in the country but uh, it's a it's a high school that's very competitive with all their sports it's one of the bigger high schools um, in the country in 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 regards to athletics so uh, Wilhelm Bradenbach I think is you know, again, great size, great length, and somebody that's going to fit in, you know, very well. And then Kasei Tomonaga, you know, goodness gracious, three-point shooter extraordinaire. You watch some of the shots that he made in the video clip that they put out. I mean, there it's the the Japanese Steph Curry has been thrown around quite a bit today with what Coach Hoiberg had to say about him. Um, you know, elite elite shooter. And this is the type of guy that Nebraska has been needing for how many years? Somebody that can come in and just have one thing they do really, really, really well, which is shoot the basketball. And I'm excited for Tomanaga to get here, first Japanese player ever in the history of the program. Um, so if you're, if you're scoring at home, we've got a Canadian, a Frenchman, uh, an Aussie, uh, New Zealander, and uh, now a, a Japanese player. So we've about covered the globe with, you know, what what our roster is made up of. But I can't wait to see him in action and to see that stroke, and you know, to see him implemented in this offense.
1: Yeah. Amy Williams signed, according to ESPN, the number 21 class in the country with the announcement of five players coming into the program. We'll break that down more in hour three when Matt Cotney comes by to give us his thoughts about this class. Big influx of talent for Coach Williams, and that's a great sign that her program is moving forward. The class that just drops your job, Ben, is John Cook's volleyball class that If you just start telling people what it entails, they're, one, going to probably think you're crazy because there's no way you could put together a class with the number one, the number two, and the number three players in the country. But that's exactly what he and his staff did. This This is beyond remarkable.
2: I mean, it's the chicken and egg situation that we're trying to get to with football. You know, what comes first, the great talent or the national championships? And, you know, it's right now the, the cycle's just working and and every other program, doesn't even matter what sport and college athletics, is trying to get to where Nebraska volleyball is right now. With, I mean, you signed six athletes, four of them in the top ten, three of them in the top three, the top three players in the entire class. It's kind of insane and, you know, it makes recruiting a lot easier. Nebraska has so much to offer as a volleyball program, not just the winning and the tradition, but just everything else that makes this just the best play place in America to play college volleyball on top of having the best head coach maybe to ever do it. So not surprising. I mean, it's, it, and it's really hard to say that with the class that, that was just put together, maybe one of the better classes ever assembled in a volleyball um, division one volleyball. But you know, these players are going to come in and have an impact right away. There's even some homegrown flavor in there too. So um, really happy for John Cook and you know what his, the, the just the empire. I mean that's what I'm gonna call it the empire he's been able to build <laughs> over at the Coliseum. It's it's pretty phenomenal to watch and, and we should all just be grateful for it every
1: single day. Speaking of watching tomorrow night they will have a, an inner squad scrimmage with the volleyball team and that's going to be streamed live on Huskers.com tomorrow night and with the uh, commentary will be John Bader and Lauren Cook. It'll be much like. What Ben and I did a month or so ago, and and Ben did a couple weeks ago with the baseball scrimmages going on, Uh, you'll have a a video feed and then the radio call from John and Lauren as they describe this team. They're still a couple months away from having their season, but I know people are really anxious to see what this team looks like. So that'll be tomorrow night on huskers.com. 630 is first serve for that. That should be fun to – to follow along on that tomorrow night. Also tomorrow night, our Nebraska football show, the head coach will be here. Scott Frost will be with us in hour number two tomorrow night. So get your comments, questions ready for the head coach. We'll have a full hour with him as the Huskers continue preps for Penn State, the Saturday game. The the nervousness about the Maryland outbreak is, is that they did play Penn State last week, but again, nothing, nothing out of Penn State's camp all week, including today, that indicates they're having an issue. So... As far as we know, the game is a go for Saturday at 11 o'clock for the Huskers and the Penn State Nittany Lions. Callers and guests in the show, dial us up on our Sports a Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Baseball has not formally put out a release. They have been through their social media accounts rattling off a couple of the young men that signed today. I'm told it's nine scholarships and six walk-ons to the program. The full list should be out tomorrow. We're efforting an interview with the head coach to be on – tomorrow night with us to get his thoughts on his recruiting class. We have an invite out to John Cook as well, trying to get coach with us. We believe we'll have coach Hoyberg on for his first full show sometime next week. And obviously we'll cover the recruiting class that he has put together and they, they ban are still waiting. The, the Fred Hoyberg and that staff are still waiting on one more big fish that could come in later in the week as The McGowan's kid, the younger brother of Trey, who's now a member of Nebraska's basketball team, has it down to Georgia and Nebraska. He is a five-star player. He announced today that he will make the formal announcement on Friday. That would be gigantic if that happens. Yeah, it's a top 30 player in the country,
2: five-star. He'd be the first five-star ever in the history of the program. So, not just a cherry on top, but it's like getting a filet mignon for dessert. So Friday could be some huge news and a huge day for Husker basketball if uh, if he's able to come over. And there's a lot of Husker basketball fans that are going to be tuning into what Bryce McGowan's does. And, you know, if he does follow in his brother's footsteps to Lincoln, that would just be – Cool. Uh, I mean, the excitement for the basketball program would be through the roof at that point. So –
1: 50-50 shot. Let's hope the, the quarter bounces heads up. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's what we have on the show, full show tonight. Again, 531 uh, 4686 the number if you want to dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text. When we come back, we'll jump into this week's edition of the Big Ten Blitz. Time for us to take a little spin around the league. We call it the Blitz.
0: The Big Ten Blitz.
1: And Purdue, let's talk about the makers. And joining us is Mike Carmen from the Journal Courier. And Mike Purdue off last week because of the Wisconsin situation. Did that allow guys like Rondale Moore and George Karloftis to get healed up at all?
3: Well, we'll see. Uh, there's been really no, uh, no word on uh, what, what's going to happen with uh, those two and other in- injured guys. So uh, it's, it's the weekly weekly drama report in, uh, in West Lafayette as we await to, to see what happens each Saturday.
1: What? How did the uh, how did the coach attack the the extra week? Did they did they get, take some days off? How did he handle the by the, the unscheduled bye week? Uh,
3: they, they stayed uh, in regular routine and practiced. Uh, usually during off weeks, uh, they, they they will spend a lot of a uh, lot of time uh, with the younger players, uh, maybe the ones that are not going to get in the game, and just uh, put them through some scrimmage workout. And it did allow them to get a head start on Northwestern uh, a, a little bit. Uh, as a change course from from Wisconsin to Northwestern, so it's kind of a combination. And he, he was trying to keep his team, and I think most Big Ten teams are doing this, just trying to keep them together, not sending them home, trying to keep this, trying to do what they can to keep the virus from from moving around the conference.
1: All right, you mentioned it, Northwestern's up. This is a huge game. You have two undefeated teams going at this one. Break this down for me.
3: Well, this is a, you know, in this shortened season, this is a big game because, you know, I think the winner, you know, gets in the driver's seat uh, a little bit uh, for for the Big Ten West, staying undefeated. You know, Wisconsin is still out there just with the one game and the one win, uh, and Purdue won't play them. In Northwestern, I believe, has Wisconsin after Purdue, but uh, Purdue's had problems with Northwestern in the past. Even though they beat them last year, and the main reason is that Northwestern's just been a more physical team uh, than Purdue on both both uh, the lines of scrimmages. And uh, I think Purdue's better prepared uh, this year for that. Uh, their offensive and defensive lines have played uh, a lot better uh, in the first two games, as opposed to you know the first. Uh, first couple of years of, of Jeff Brom's tenure they had a little bit more depth on both sides and uh, you know if Purdue can handle that physicality they'll, they'll stay in the game uh, you know as long as possible and, and of course you know Purdue's got David Bell uh, and David Bell has emerged as the top receiver in the Big Ten and maybe the top receiver uh, in the country so far and he's making plays left and right and he made a lot of plays last year against Northwestern that helped Purdue win that game.
1: La- the last time the- we saw the Bouldermakers was that game against Illinois, and they seemed to have that thing well in hand. And then you kind of look up there in the fourth quarter, and it- it's a game again. What what allowed Illinois to get back as Purdue went back and broke that thing down?
3: Uh, it was more the inability of the offense to sustain some drives. Uh, and while the defense usually shoulders the blame for, for things like that, uh, you know, when you have a 21-point lead, I think it's a lot of the responsibility of the offense when they get the ball back to to piece together some first downs, get out of their own territory, and Purdue didn't do that, and uh, they were able to survive because David Bell made a play on third down and long, and uh, and if if the offense doesn't make that play, you know who knows what happens, but you know I, you know I think you have to keep. Moving the ball, you got to keep pushing the ball downfield a little bit, um, and you know take some time off the clock not, and not get conservative, but uh, still play your game a little bit. They they do have to sharpen up some things on defense, and you know they played the last three quarters uh, or two quarters of that game without George Karloftis. so that that definitely uh, hurt hurt them defensively.
1: Yeah. Well, Mike, the Big Ten's helping you out on your deadline. They moved that game up a few hours, right?
3: <laughs> Wait. We- deadlines every minute of the day now for for newspapers and everybody else so the time of the game doesn't matter anymore but it does help uh hopefully to get home a little bit earlier and get some sleep they have moved it to four
1: o'clock central northwestern at purdue mike carmen of the journal courier mike we appreciate it thank you thank you very much indiana and here to talk about the Hoosiers, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. What a year Indiana is off to a terrific victory over Michigan this past week. And Zach, I, I only saw bits and pieces, but this looked to me like a resounding win for the Hoosiers over Michigan. How did you see it?
4: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I I try to watch games back, um, you know, a day or two after. Even, even when you're kind of approaching things objectively, you know, you, in the moment, you're looking for storylines. You're looking for, you know, I guess kind of, for lack of a better term, a sort of narrative arc in a game. But watching it back just allows you to sort of analyze what happened very dispassionately. And, I mean, Indiana, I, I, I hope I don't sound like I'm, you know, looking at this through rose-colored lenses. Indiana dominated Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both lines of scrimmage. Certainly game plan-wise, you talk about the way Indiana – attacked michigan versus the way michigan attacked indiana situational football you know talking about mistakes sacks penalties turnovers by just about any metric indiana just kind of ran michigan out of the building and that obviously is is not something that iu fans have been able to say about their football program against the wolverines in a very very long time
1: well it was impressive and, and in, as has indiana has been off to a 3-0 and start is there General excitement around the program. There almost has to be, uh, and I know the fan base can't be a part of it because they can't go to the games, but there's got to just be a bit of a glee with the fan base right now with what this team's doing.
4: You know, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I mean, you know, wherever you fall on it, and, and I understand, you know, the people that maybe kind of wince when they see it. We've seen students gather outside Memorial Stadium after both of their home wins, Penn State and Michigan. Not many, you know, just a few hundred, but I I think it's, you know, relative to to the times that we live in and obviously in the Big Ten where fans are not uh, allowed into stadiums. I I think that speaks to, you know, the the interest that has kind of gripped the campus and the community. And, you know, I I don't, everybody's going through COVID-19 at the same time. So I don't think it's just an adversity thing that affects Indiana, but I will say that I think it's, it's also been good for Indiana fans who probably would have seen their basketball team in the NCAA tournament last year, might've had a good baseball team to cover, or to watch, whatever you want to say, you know, thought football season was going to be taken away. um, And now it kind of comes back in the other direction that Indiana's having, you know, really it's, it's best season in what, probably at least 30 years, probably, you know, longer than that, possibly, you know, 50 plus years. Um, There is undeniably, you know, within the parameters anyway, largely of of what we're all kind of having to do, uh, a lot of excitement around this team in Bloomington.
1: All right, this week, it's Michigan State up to East Lansing for the Hoosiers. I I don't know what to make of Sparty. I mean, <laughs> they lose to Rutgers, they beat Michigan, they get hammered by Iowa. I, what what do you make of this matchup? You know, I think it's going to be, I think there's sort of a
4: tangible side of it, which is Indiana has to recognize that Michigan State has at times been able to hurt teams through the air. Um, I think Michigan State's front is, possibly just sort of pound for pound bigger and more physical certainly than Michigan's, possibly a little bit than Penn State's. That might be, a, might be doing a little bit of disservice to Penn State. Um, the, the flip side of that is Michigan State struggled to run the ball. Obviously, they've had huge issues with turnovers. As you said, they had a really ugly game uh, in Iowa City last weekend. There's also just the intangible for Indiana, which is just essentially how do you handle success? You know, this is this is a roster that's not had to do a lot of that in the last, again, you know, basically within living memory, or at least within uh, recent memory. How do you manage your way when suddenly you're Indiana, you know, I actually kind of laughed at it looking at the schedule last season. I think a lot of Indiana fans thought they might be a trap game for Michigan, stuck between Michigan State and Ohio State on senior day in Bloomington. Well, now all of a sudden, if you're Indiana, Michigan State might be looking at you and thinking, well, maybe we'll catch them in a trap game. They just had an emotional win over Michigan, and they go to Ohio State next weekend. I think if you know that, that's that's also kind of the, like I said, the more intangible challenge now for this team um, is how do you manage your, yourself when you need to really, when your focus is going to be tested in a way that it really has never been before? Because I think on paper, the matchups obviously favor Indiana, at least as much as we can say that about anybody right now. But, you know, you, it would also not surprise you if Indiana went up there, maybe a little bit distracted by the potential for a big game in Columbus next weekend. And yeah, I do not say lay an egg, but certainly at least sort of struggled, was a little bit sloppy, etc. I think this is going to be a fascinating test of, of Indiana's, you know, maturity as well as its
1: skills. Hoosiers at Sparty, 11 o'clock Central on ABC. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. As always, Zach, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Wisconsin. Here and here to talk about the Badgers, Ben Wargold from Wisconsin's rival site. And Ben, what is the update? What's the status of this program as, as I know they want to play on Saturday against Michigan?
5: I think we may just have a football game here finally to talk about in the state of Wisconsin, uh, in the college ranks at least, Uh Yeah, Wisconsin is is back on the practice field Uh, after really two weeks of doing virtually nothing. Um, They last time we got a report was on Monday, and they had gone five of six days without a positive test. They are believed to have around seven or eight active cases in their program. So they're going ahead full speed uh, to get ready for Michigan on Saturday. The only thing is we don't know... Uh, who the active cases are. Um, we don't know who is still in the Big Ten protocol for the 21-day quarantine. We do know Graham Mertz, the starting quarterback, is still in the protocol. But if and when he'll be available for game time, we won't know that until slightly before kickoff at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday.
1: Give us a snapshot of that quarterback's position. We all know Mertz. What's behind him and what's, what's the status if you know of the other guys?
5: Well, their number two is Chase Wolf. Uh, Chase Wolf has tested positive for COVID. That's through source reporting, not through UW. Is believe he tested positive after Mertz. Uh, so uh, Chase Wolf will not uh, be eligible to play, even if he is symptom free, because of that 21 day window, we believe. Um, then number three would be Danny Vandenboom, who is their red shirt junior. He's a walk on uh, from in state, Kimberly High School, uh, kind of up near Green Bay very very talented prep quarterback he was 28-0 uh, his junior and senior year threw a ton of yards had like a 48 touchdowns to five picks in two years and then the highest classification in wisconsin high school football um, so a very steady guy very talented guy hasn't played a lot though i think in three years he's only had mop-up duty a couple times hasn't even thrown a bunch of passes nothing really of note i think he's thrown one pass in his career and it was a three-yard touchdown against like new mexico two years ago so um, but Joe Rudolph, the offensive coordinator, talked about him at length today and said he's done a lot of really good things. He's maintained uh, his composure. He has played confidently in camp, and and the players know that when Danny's in, the offense isn't going to miss a beat. So that's a pretty good endorsement for a, a four-string quarterback who a former walk-on.
1: Well, the opponent this week is Michigan, and boy, have they been a puzzle with their performances the last couple of weeks. How do, you, how do you analyze this matchup with the Wolverines on Saturday night?
5: Well, it's kind of the same way with Wisconsin. I mean, we, we saw what we saw, like, I feel like ages ago now, <laughs> when they beat yeah. Illinois 45-7, to but they haven't played in two weeks. And we don't know who's available and, and where they're going to be limited and, you know, certainly don't know what the quarterback situation is. So I think Wisconsin is just as big of a puzzle, too. So it's really hard to project how this matchup's going to go but specifically on Michigan you know they're they're really young in a lot of spots and now they're pretty pretty banged up too I mean they're gonna be without their best pass rusher for the year now in Hutchinson who fractured his leg you know Joe Milton's a very talented quarterback he can make some incredible plays but he also has made some very um, young plays and experienced plays which is kind of what you expect of a sophomore quarterback especially that fourth quarter against Indiana when they're trying to come back through two picks to kind of put the final nail in their coffin. You know, their running attack was very sporadic last week. Um, That's partly because they had their two tackles were missing. So they have only 13 rushing yards and 18 attempts. You know, their defense is kind of patchy, too. They allowed Indiana to have a 100-yard receiver in the first half. So uh, your guess is as good as mine what we're going to see. If it's the Wisconsin team we saw, you know, the beginning of the year, I would say Wisconsin wins this game by double figures. But I think going in not knowing what you're going to have a quarterback and the staff not really knowing what they're going to have. At least that's what they're laying on. This could be a very interesting game for a number of different reasons.
1: No doubt. Wisconsin at Michigan, 630 Saturday night under the lights on ABC. Ben Wurgle from Wisconsin's rival site with us here. Ben, we
5: appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Talk to you guys soon.
6: Welcome back to another edition of Husker Huddle here at the Husker Sports Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah Searle. Today we are joined by former, honorable mention all, Big 12 defensive end. Did a stint in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars for a while. My friend, Zach Potter, how are you? I'm
7: doing well, man. How are you?
6: I'm doing good, man. Excited football season's kind of back here in Lincoln. Um, It's good to have things rocking and rolling. So I agree. And Zach, I want to get your thoughts on this. And we'll we'll get into what you're up to now and everything that we've been doing here on the Husker Huddle segment. But with Nebraska football being at the forefront, I watched that Penn State-Ohio State game. And tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I thought Nebraska played them better than Penn State did. Granted, the score did not mirror that outcome obviously but just overall if we didn't have those glaring turnovers and we didn't have the shoot ourselves in the foot I thought we matched up against Ohio State physically better than Penn State did.
7: Yeah I mean you, you know it as well as I do the score does not always tell you the whole picture of a football game and you know some like you said some of those penalties and some of those things in the first game that really um, hurt us um, are things that could easily been turn something differently. Mm. And I think, you know, what I saw in that week one game against Ohio State, against a really, really good Ohio State team, um, I I think, like you said, the Penn State, Ohio State, we easily could have played – um, them a little better. And we'll get our shot against Penn State a little later this year to kind of see how that matches up. I said all along, you know, with Nebraska playing Ohio State week one, I would rather play them week one than week six. And obviously, I would have preferred to play Wisconsin than then kind of go into our season a little bit more, but because it would be a little bit more telling. It's, it's just classic 2020, right? Just more questions,
6: more questions than answers. Everyone's kind of throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. But I'm just, again, we'll circle back to the fact that we're just excited the boys are plan so Zach what have you been up to during these COVID times and really kind of let's catch up a little bit along the lines of what have you been doing since you finished your stint there in the NFL?
7: Yeah so I officially retired uh, I guess 2014 would have been uh, my lot when I finally got cut by the Houston Texans in 2014 uh, and then I got into uh, the audio-visual integration business so uh, in sales so we sell um, equipment for um, Conference rooms, boardrooms, think projectors, TVs, control systems, video walls, you know, kind of all that good stuff. So that's what I've been doing the last six years as far as uh, work wise. Um, my wife and I have almost been married 10 years now. We got uh, three little kids. I, we're uh, six, five, and two right now. We're uh, getting ready to tick over. We'll be seven, five, and three here in a matter of Two months. Um, don't think we had any like Irish twins or anything like that. We, we they're they're all two years apart for sure and, and for good reason. Um, so I've been busy with kids and and uh, just uh, you know trying to stay in connection and, and involved with sports as much as I can from um, a high school standpoint to college to the NFL um, and, and really just as you know people always ask me all the time like who you cheer for now and I I, I became an NFL guy. I love college football. Uh, ultimately. But I, I, I love Sundays. I love Thursday nights, Monday nights, um, sometimes more than Saturdays. Um, and really, it's because I think I still know so many people that are playing, whether it's coaches, athletic trainers, you, know, you name it, uh, that are still on NFL ros- rosters that are uh, still having success. Are,
6: are you like me, Zach, in the fact that do you have the red zone channel?
7: Uh, I do. so. It's the um, only way to watch you know, NFL football. You can't convince you me. You don't. So I have, I have direct TV, so I have I have red zone or Sunday ticket, whatever it is. So um, I, I've had that since I retired because ultimately, you know, those first two years after when I was not in Jacksonville, I was in St. Louis and, uh, and uh, Houston, I was just, you know, I hate to say this, but I was watching all these games hoping, not hoping, but waiting to see who the next tight end was that was gonna get hurt yep. to see where could I be going on Monday yep. or Tuesday for a tryout um, you never want anyone to get hurt but at the same time it was a job and so you were you know I was you know looking at the waiver wire of seeing who's getting cut who got hurt where could I potentially go for a workout or something like that and um, so that's what that's what I do I I used to do I should say I don't do that anymore now I'm just that armchair quarterback or armchair tight end saying god I could make that block maybe I could still go play
6: I've thought that numerous times watching some of the O-line play this year I was like man I retired a year too early and then I go like run around or something my knee starts hurting I'm like yeah I
7: probably got out at the right side you had the benefit though I mean as a as a tight end I, I there's only typically one two tight ends on the field predominantly. I right. mean, yeah, you can get some goal line sets where you got three or four. But as an old lineman, there's at least five positions out there. And then, as you know, sometimes you guys come over and steal our, Jumbo. our, our pie a little bit and be a six offensive lineman. Got so, to yeah. report. Yeah. Yeah, got to report. Don't. Don't do not forget to report and have a big gain, and that flags out. And hey, X Y Z didn't report, and that's coming back. That's you do not want that old line coach um, talking to you after that happens. That, that's a bad news. I want to get your thoughts here on. I've talked to a lot of
6: former players. I talked to Matt Slawson, who was super fired up about it. You and I know Slaw well. Andy Dalton gets cleaned up by a sliding guy. And that Dallas offensive line really didn't do a whole lot. And I I tweeted about it, and you being a tight end, you're an extension of the offensive line. And those guys, in my opinion, should all get cut and should all get moved on. Because I know I'm most likely going to get ejected out of that game for trying to dirt stomp that guy for what he did to our quarterback. And then Mm -hmm. you go on to watch Chicago's guy go out there and throw haymakers at this guy who insulted his teammate. And I think people are like, see, that's what happens. But I want to hear your perspective on when it's important to stand up for your guy, and also when it's important just to be a smart football player and not do dumb things.
7: Yeah, it's definitely a fine line. Because like you said, that Dallas offensive line, who's in the past, has always been one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and to see, and I know they've had some injury issues this year, so their guys aren't all they don't have their starting five out there as normal. But you see your quarterback, um, even your second string quarterback, Andy Dalton, who's been around the NFL for a long time. Um, you have to you have to go protect him. That's your that's your job as an offense lineman, as a tight end. You're not going to have the wide receivers and the running backs and coming out there to protect you, but that's what our job is to do. Um, is to protect the quarterback and you see a cheap shot like that and a guy just go knock him out, um, you have to go protect him, whether that's, you, you try, and I always said, if, if you're going to get in a fight, try and get as many people in that fight as possible so not they can't eject the whole team, right. you know, don't just go one-on-one because then you're going to get rejected. And then, but you try and, you know, you know, as I always like to use the word, we're going to burn the boats, like everybody come on in, we're not turning back, let's just go attack, let's get the fight, let's go win it, and, you know, protect our guy, because that's, you know, if you don't have a quarterback and even you know you saw the Cowboys last night probably with their third string quarterback it's just different you know your that's why these second string quarterbacks or backup quarterbacks are still getting paid multiple million dollars a year because if you don't have a quarterback your whole season can go you know off the tracks really quickly and even though there's 16 games to be played every one of those matters um in the NFL season same thing with in, in college too but you know I I think You know, to to answer your question though, it it is a fine line because if you do get ejected, or if you're just doing a one-on-one battle, like I mean, you're just causing attention to yourself, and you're going to get ejected. Okay, here you're going to get a a FedEx envelope in your locker Monday, Monday morning, baby, right there on the chair. Yeah, I mean, it's you're just giving away money. That's why I always say, if you're going to get in a battle. Go to battle with a lot of people because they're not well sometimes nfl will find everybody but they're not going to eject everybody um it, it just and, and you want you see quarterbacks and you, you never want to say oh you know you've seen movies or something where they don't go protect the quarterback for whatever reason maybe they had something maybe they don't like the quarterback or maybe they you know they want the second guy to be in there um no matter what you've got to protect protect your quarterback
6: yeah, I completely agree. Let's shift gears a little bit here before we let you out of here. Talk a little bit about this Husker defensive line. This was a huge question mark coming into this season. You put three guys in the NFL, you know, Davis twins, uh, Daniels is now playing too. And so there was just huge question marks. I thought the front five played very well against Ohio State. I thought Stilley played really well. The guy I'm really mm-hmm. excited about, and I'd like to hear your take, is Ty Robinson. I thought he played very physical. But what did you think about this Nebraska front playing both the position of defensive line and and I also want to hear your thoughts on how big it is to lose Jack Stoll and the importance of Austin Allen in this uh, Husker team.
7: Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's, that's always kind of the fun thing for me. I remember when uh, I was going into my junior year, we'd lost uh, Adam or Jay Moore, Ola Dog Barry Cryer, and we had a, basically a brand new defensive line. And so it, it's it, you take it upon yourself as a challenge as a D lineman because you know as well as I do, and everybody knows this, games are won up front. Offensive line, defense line. You got to have all the other skill sets. But if you can't, if you can't protect your quarterback like we just talked about, or you can't rush the passer and get some pressure on the quarterback, you, it's going to be a long, long day. No matter doesn't matter what level of football mm-hmm. you're at. So you got to have a good O line, D line. And so um, I was very, very impressed with the ability that our defense as a whole and D lineman uh, showed against Ohio State. Like I said earlier, the score. You know, that's one thing, but I just love seeing the aggression um, and the physicality that I think R.D. had uh, against Ohio State. You know, a couple of those targeting targeting calls, I mean, are, were they targeting? Yes, but at the same time, I'd rather see that aggression. And Because I've said all along, targeting is one of the hardest things um, to combat these days. I, I'm thankful that when I got to the NFL, I switched to tight end because... I don't know what these guys on defense are supposed to do anymore to not get a flag. Um, and so you, you try and, I, I love seeing how physical they were. On the other side, I think the, the greatest thing that Nebraska has going for right now is the tight end depth that they have now and coming up in the recruiting class coming up. And so you look at what Coach Frost and Coach Lubes are doing as an offense, they're incorporating the tight ends, um, Stoll and Allen, these guys, and at the same time, recruiting to the guys that we have signed on to come on in the next year or two as part of recruiting classes. The tight end position has evolved so much, especially, uh, I think, at the college level and what they can do as far as motion and getting reads for man zone and causing mismatches. You have to have a good uh, stable of tight ends, whether they're just pass catching guys or guys that were just blocking tight ends like I ended up switching to just to create different mismatches from linebackers to secondary guys that are going to come up and guard you. Um, And so I I think it's really neat to see the involvement that I think we're going to continue to see from the tight end position um, under this new offense quarter that we have in loops and seeing what he's going to do going forward against other teams.
6: Absolutely. Well, Zach, I want to thank you so much for your time here and uh, taking a minute to talk with us here on Husker Huddle. Hopefully, when things get back to normalize, I'll get to see you back at the stadium like we did a few times. We'll catch up, go down the rail yard, have a beer, and uh, hopefully celebrate some more victories. Well, Zach, before we let you go, anything you want to say to Husker
7: Nation? Just go big red and, and uh, have all the faith in these coaches that they're doing. They're they're setting the culture right. Uh, it's gonna t- it's taking time, more time than I think a lot of us would like it to, but uh, we're gonna get there, and, and we got the right guys to do it for sure.
6: Absolutely appreciate you joining us, joined here on Husker Huddle, and I'll see you guys next week.
1: Here we are back for hour number three, Sports Only, on a Wednesday night hump day here in the week. Getting you close to another weekend. Beautiful day outside today, right? I mean, the sun came out, melted all that ice off trees. It's cool. Great day. Going to be a little cooler tomorrow. Decent for the game on Saturday for Penn State here in town. So let's be in the mid-50s for that one. Buy sell coming your way here in a couple of minutes. And then later in the hour, Matt Cotney will stop by. Talk about the women's basketball roster, which uh, landed five new commits today to, the, to this uh, program. We'll hear his thoughts about that. A later on in the hour but let's get it going with buy sell
0: it's time to buy or sell now here's the hosts of buy or sell tim curran Sold. and austin orman
8: that's right it is austin and i joining you for this week of buy sell another stellar week uh it'll be a little bit more stellar for uh you know, others <laughs> most of the time. But uh, we will get things underway with the answers uh, from last week. And this one uh, came from the beautiful mind of Austin. Uh, it was a men's basketball-football combination question act back in October of 28th. or uh, sell that the schedule for the Nebraska basketball multi-team event in Lincoln would be released before the Nebraska football team would play in its next game. That answer ended up being a sell. The Huskers played their next game on November 7th, which was, of course, last week. And the uh, the whatever they're calling that thing at the Pinnacle Bank Arena uh, has not yet been officially, announced by the, the, well, it's been officially announced by the Huskers, but there's still no basketball schedule, which is insane. Uh, Greg and Ben, you guys both got it right with the sell. So did I. So did Brett. But Austin and Josh bought it and got it wrong. Yeah, it's kinda nuts we're still sitting here at, you know, what is it, November the eleventh and we don't have a schedule. I mean ooh. It's something else.
9: If there's any way at all it wouldn't be out by now, but I guess I overestimated the big ten. That you did.
8: Oh there he is. Sorry about that. We had him turn down in your ear.
9: Heaven forbid I overestimate the Big Ten. Mistake on my yeah. part. Hard to do but i did it anyways but let's go to major league baseball a question from brett also asked a couple wednesdays ago Buyer or sell that justin turner and the dodgers are fined at least one hundred thousand dollars combined due to the post-game incident correct answer was a sell in fact rob manfred said he was proud of how turner handled himself after the incident no fines levied greg and brett bought and were incorrect all the rest of us sold and were correct
1: well, they just kind of kicked that to the curb, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did.
9: Got it right <laughs> aside. Is,
1: I mean, wow. I mean, it was a huge story. And then yeah. they just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, everyone's uh, in the
8: forgiving Rob arms Manfred. of Rob Manfred. Just a magnanimous guy. Genius. Yeah. Well, that uh, brings us on to a college football question. Uh, buyers sell that all six-pack 12 favorites would win uh, this past weekend. And the answer ended up being a sell as Colorado the UCLA, another rough start, I guess, for Chip Kelly's uh, tenure there with the Bruins. Uh, we all got it right with the sell. Josh was the only person who got it correct that the buffs would prevail, uh, I guess, pending whether or not the council will award him the bonus point. Uh, we shall
1: see. Now, wasn't Washington State an underdog, too? They, Yeah, you picked the Cougs. Um, according to our,
8: our esteemed judge, though, they did not apparently award you that point. Yeah, so you got it right.
1: With a sell, but apparently, did, I guess we're gonna have to give you the bonus huh? point. Maybe. Huh? I mean, uh, l- unless that line flipped, but I think, the, I think the Beavers were favored by like two or three. Unless that, unless it late action and, came yeah. when yeah. flipped. When, when it we maybe did, did it,
2: it was uh, it was one point when we did it. So I don't know if it, it, it maybe went or not. To, we'll even. Have to look it at the have. final
1: line. Yeah, yeah.
2: It'll,
9: mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go back and judge it based on the time the question was asked. Those, I believe, how. That'll work. Yeah,
1: out. you can't we can't adjust for lines changing by Saturday when we're doing an answer a question on Wednesday. It's true. I want another point. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. My team should have won, but they blew it.
9: Arizona State. ever.
2: Yeah. And and that wasn't a one point line. They were like a fourteen point dog. Yeah. They
1: still should
9: have yeah. won. <laughs> All right, we'll stick with football but go to the NFL. Josh asked us, buy or sell that Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa combined for at least 450 passing yards and four passing touchdowns in their next starts. Only Josh and I got that one right with a buy. They combined for 574 yards and exactly four touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I knew they'd get the yards. I didn't think they'd get the touchdowns, but they did.
8: Yeah, that's a... Quite a, quite a haul right there, quite a total. Uh, that brings us on to one of Greg's questions, uh, college football one. Buy or sell that Nebraska would have more rushing yards than Northwestern on Saturday. The answer was a buy. Huskers had 224 as compared to the Wildcats, 148. Uh, I was bullish on the Huskers. So was Greg. So was Ben. We all got it right with the buy. Everyone else, though, Josh, Brett, and Austin sold it, and are uh, haters looking <laughs> foolish for yeah. Come on, it's all—it's always okay to, to be a uh, homers for the Huskers here on the Husker Sports Network. Never gonna get punished for that. I mean, come on.
9: Oh man! All right, we'll stick in college football. Head out west. I asked you guys buy or sell that at least one West Coast game lasts until at least 12:45 Central Time on Sunday morning. Blew that out of the water. Oregon State, Washington State went all the way to 1 at 21 Central Time. I wow. did not stay up and watch it, but research did confirm that was a layup. Everyone got it right. Tim, you didn't blow this layup. Congrats. <laughs> Thank
8: you, go, you. Tim. Well, you know, the one thing I can count on in life is uh, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, so, you know, you're welcome. It's my own intuition that kept me in it. Uh, got another question or rather answer for us all. Ben's question from I believe this was last week. Buy or saw that five or more players would rush for 40 yards in this past Sunday's Baltimore Ravens-Indianapolis Colts game, the austin Norman classic, as they call it. Uh, the answer ended up being a sell. Only Lamar Jackson did. No one from the Colts was over 40. Uh, sad. Uh, Greg, Josh, and Austin both correct with the sell, or rather all correct with the sell, whereas Ben, I, and Brett got it wrong with a buy. There was a bunch of guys that were close, really close. So. Yeah the stings. I know only one got there but there was a bunch that almost got. I'm no Colts fan but that that, that stunned. I had believed in Indianapolis and that that proves the last time I will ever bet on the (laughs) Indianapolis Colts.
9: (laughs) Probably smartest as long as Philip Rivers is arm-punting to the other team, but that's all right. One more answer to give you guys back to college football. Greg asked us, buy or sell? That there's more points scored in the Nebraska-Northwestern game than the Michigan-Indiana game. There were 34 points in Nebraska-Northwestern, 59 in Michigan-Indiana, making it a sell. Josh was the only one to buy it, so five of us correct with the sell.
8: Okay. okay. We'll take it. Well, that brings us to totals uh, of this week. Greg and Ben, as well as Josh, leading the pack. Well, I, of course, me too. don't want to be too humble. Uh, Going 6 of 8 this week. Uh, That brings Greg and Ben to 65 of 98, neck and neck. Neck and neck. Austin bringing up the rear. He went 5 of 8 this past week. He's at 62 of 98 on the season. And then uh, in order from there, it's 58 of 98 for Josh, who went 6 of 8 as well this week. Also, Brett, 3 of 8. Uh, rough week Ooh. for Mr. Whitty. 53 of 98 on the season. Also, uh, me sitting in a gentlemanly last place at 48 of 98. Uh, getting 49% <laughs> of my uh, oh. answers. You know, look, it's, uh, I've got some ground to make up. Uh, I am fully confident I can do so, but uh, I got to get my shovel and start digging because I oh got. All <laughs> right, now I'm at the bottom of my own grave that I've dug for you're, myself. Is bad.
1: You're evil, Knievel, trying to jump the Snake Canyon.
8: Yeah, <laughs> eh, you know. Look, uh, I, I, I always feel more confident when my back is against the wall, and right now it's firmly against the wall. But. Uh, Anywho. Uh, well, anyway, that brings us to this week's questions. And, Greg, uh, how about you take us away with some of your cleverly, I'm sure, crafted cues you got?
1: All right. I'll throw my first one out there. Buy or sell that the winner of the Masters is a first-time winner of that event. Hmm. Has John and won it? And I'm going to buy it. He is not. Okay. I'm buying it. So are you going to name who it is for the bonus? Uh, give me... Xander Shoffley. All right. We'll give you Xander. Hmm.
2: First time winner.
1: Has DJ won it? He has not. The winners in the field would be like Tiger, Phil, Patrick Reed, Adam Scott, Danny Willett, Zach Johnson. No, I don't like any of those guys. Um. I'm going to sell
2: it. Or I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy that as
8: a first time winner.
9: And you buy yourself.
8: Yeah, I am going to buy it. Uh, I'm taking uh, Rom after I saw him skip a magical uh, hole in one in that practice round there. Uh, you know, call me boring, but uh, he's the golfer of destiny right now. So buying it, give me John Rom.
9: I'm not going quite as far on golfer of destiny, but I will also take the field of first timers over the experience winners. Ben? All right.
2: College football, buy or sell that there will be a game in the top 25 in college football decided by one, two, and three points. Hmm. Looking at the lines, there are all three uh, point totals are on the board for one, two, and three, and there are multiple for a couple, too. So, So according to Vegas, you've got a couple of chances that are one, two, and three
8: points. But all three have to happen. All three have to hit. Correct. Okay. Right. I could see. I think one is probably actually the trickiest of all those. You three, don't see
2: three is going to happen. Three is three, going to happen. Yeah, for sure. but so one really you're
8: down to two. I'm going to sell it for that reason because I think one and even a two point difference uh, is is tough. I feel like you probably get two of the three, but maybe not all three. Selling it.
9: Which way did you go, Ben?
8: I didn't get a chance. Tim jumped the gun. That's
2: so right, I did. I'm going to sell it too. I'm gonna be really disappointed if it's a
9: hit though. It'd be really cool if it was a hit, but I just think the odds are stacked against it, so I'll make it a sell as well. Yeah, me
1: too. It's a sell. And you've got some games that are off the board now, of all these cancellations, so your pool of games isn't as big. So I'll sell. All
9: right, Tim. Tim. All right.
1: Well that brings it on to me.
8: Uh, Buy or sell that the winner of this year's Masters will finish at 15 under. That's a 273 shot total or better. And I'm going to, for myself, I will buy it. And I already said John Rahm, so I guess Rahm's going to do it, finish at at least 15 under or better.
9: Craig and Ben, I defer to you guys. I have no idea.
1: Oh, come on, Austin. Weak sauce. Just I, throw it. You got buy or sell? It's not like you have a uh, ton of choices here.
9: Well, I, 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 I don't know if 273 <laughs> is a good line or not. Is kind of what I'm. Just a
1: monkey and symbols about. just going <laughs> off in his head right now. You can't you can't listen to our knowledge and then throw your thing in there? Yeah. Uh,
9: man, I Throwing I knowledge guess you need is mine. I sell. I'll I'll sell it.
1: They're talking about rain this week, so it's going to soften up the course, which means uh, the greens probably won't be quite as slick. Now they've got they've got this aerating system underneath all the grounds they can kind of trick it into feeling like it's nice dry conditions but yeah uh, i think it's gonna i think it's gonna go under that I'll, I'll buy that there you go look at that insider knowledge there i can see so why you, you think it's wanna... gonna
2: be it's gonna be 15 under or more Yeah, 15 under or better
8: yep tiger wanted i think it was 13 under last year wasn't he the Something
2: last like five years
9: yeah. is 13 15 9 5 and 18.
8: Been all over the place, yeah. I think it's gonna be worse than that, so I'm selling. Well, I'll just pat myself on the back for setting such a complex line.
9: I mean, good for me. Good. No mathematical Austin. averages or anything there. Austin. <laughs> All right, I go to the NFL here. Do you guys buy or sell that the Packers beat the Jags by at least 18 points this weekend? I'm going to buy it because of a couple stats. Rodgers is 8-0 against teams with a 125 winning percentage or worse, which is what the Jags are at, Mm -hmm. and his teams win those games by an average of 18.4 points. So a buy Packers over the Jaguars by 18 or more.
1: Where is the game?
9: I believe it is in Jacksonville, but... Let so me look that up real quick. It's We're gonna, in Green Bay.
8: They're going to play. Never it. mind. Oh, it's, in so it's Green Augusta Bay. National. In pack.
9: Um, that's a
1: big spread in the NFL, and so it's just I can't give that many points in the NFL, so I sell.
2: So you're taking the Jags.
1: Yeah, plus the 18.
2: I'm uh. Man, that's a big line, but no Gardner Minshew again this week. Packers are really playing well. I don't know how the Jags move the ball on the Packers' defense. I'm going to say he does it. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I was going to what say. What is the line?
9: line is 13-and-a-half right now.
8: Even even if there's no Minshew mania going on, I just can't see, you know, I, I can't count the Packers out. I could see them covering it, but that's, that's such a huge spread. I can't comfortably go with that, so I'm going to sell that. I'm selling it. All right. Want to give us Josh's question? Before we go back, around yeah, we here. will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the pleasure of reading. Josh, Josh is here. Buyer saw that the winner of the Masters records at least two eagles or
1: twenty-two birdies throughout the tournament. That's actually, hmm. I'm going to buy it. I mean, I, I think you're going to see some lower scores, and those big hitters are going to put some eagles on the board. So the the, two, the twenty-two birdies scares me, but the two eagles for the winner, yeah, I can buy that. Yeah, I am, I'm right there with you. I'm going to
8: sell it. I think we get at least one eagle, and uh, lot's a lot of birdies. Um, but I'll sell. You're That's not top. with me. You sold, I bought. <laughs> That's true. But I'm using your logic against you, selling it. Okay. Tim jumped
2: the gun again. I'm going to buy it. I uh, I think two eagles, and the Shambo may get them by himself, as much as I hate the guy, but... Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it.
9: I, I, since it's an ore, I think that's gonna gonna mm-hmm. push me to buy as well. Very good. All right, back to me. Buy is
1: Husker football related. Buy or sell the Nebraska out games Penn State Saturday. And I hate to do it, but I'm gonna sell it. Hmm.
8: All right, Ben. I won't step on your toes. Go ahead. Yeah, can I can I process this a little bit before you you decide to just the internal the shot clock's already just going down. So,
2: Tim, I think we need to look into getting you like a horse
8: tranquilizer or something <laughs> to just like slow the heart rate, just slow you down a little bit. I think that might uh, break a couple codes there in HR if you shot me with a horse tranquilizer for the start. Of the we'll segment, look into but I don't it.
2: Know. We'll look into it. We'll look into it. Um, man, I'm gonna buy it. I, I, for some reason, I, they're not right, and
8: something, something's good has has to happen. So I'm gonna buy it. Yep, uh, I'm going to buy this one as well. The way Penn State, you know, has started the the season has left a lot to be desired. Which you could say the same for Nebraska. But the fact that it's the home game, it's the home opener, uh, that might just be enough for the Huskers to outgain the Nittany Lions on Saturday. So put me down for a buy. I
9: would love nothing more than for Nebraska to outgain and obviously outscore Penn State. But as a jaded Husker fan, I'm afraid this is just exactly the type of game where Penn State does get right. The defense for Nebraska has been playing really well, but I've seen this story too many times before someone comes in and gets right. So I am a heavy-hearted sell. Well, sad. All
2: right. Very good. My next question in the NFL. Buy or sell? There is another 200-yard rusher in the NFL this regular season. Dalvin Cook did it last week for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm gonna sell it, but I'm not confident in that. That is tough. Dalvin Cook could probably do it again. He's already—he was like—he's got 200. He's gotten like 186. He's gotten like 178. In one of those games, he had like 178 on like 18 carries. Has Derrick so. Henry
8: rushed for 200 uh, in the game this year? If he, he d- may if have he- gotten close two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, because he ripped off that 98 yarder. All right. Well, he will tomorrow against the Colts. so Bye.
9: Yeah, wow. buy. There's just too much of the season left for it not to happen again.
1: He won't do it against the Colts. No, I guarantee that. Um, but yeah, I'll buy it. I don't know who it is, but yeah, there, as Austin said, there's too many weeks left, and yeah, somebody will get there. Derrick Henry had 212. Yeah, so against he has. the Houston Texans
8: go. that day, 98 of them on one carry. Could have 250 against the Colts, which reminds me uh, of my uh, my question. Uh, I had Orman in mind with this one. Buy or sell that Philip Rivers? Throws at least one INT in tomorrow night's Colts Titans game, and Tennessee running back Derrick Henry rushes for at least 100 yards. I think the INT is a guarantee, which is why I'm putting that down as a buy. And I think Derrick probably doesn't get to 200, but 100 uh, is you doable. You say say he's getting 250. I did. <laughs>
9: <laughs> Tim, <laughs> Might have been you're, bluster. you're, you're logic. But he
8: doesn't need for my question. He doesn't need to get 250. At least, at least yeah. just he's 100. So put me down for a buy. Well,
9: I think Rivers is going to be good for at least one completion to the, the wrong shade of blue. So that nails that. Uh, does Henry hit 100? Uh, I think they give him enough carries that he gets there. So eh. I, I will I'll, – I'll buy it begrudgingly. <laughs>
8: Feel how Austin's hurting running down that buy.
9: But Colts it, get the win.
1: It's an end question. I'm out. Sell it. Oh. Derrick Henry's been over 100 yards four times this year.
2: Took him 31 tries to do it against Denver, first game of the year. Uh, Minnesota, who at the time when Tennessee played them, was just terrible. He had 119 on 26 carries. He had the 212 that we talked about, with half of that being on one carry. And he had 100 against Cincinnati, who was terrible. He does not get 100 tomorrow, so
9: I'm selling it. I wish I had your optimism. All right, we'll go to my next question here in the NBA. Buy or sell that at least six international prospects are taken in the first round of the NBA draft. LaMelo Ball does not count toward this total he, I'm considering him an American prospect despite playing in Australia and I will buy six international players mm, okay. so you've in got run.
1: five written down here so it's six
9: I changed my mind in the last ten minutes
1: <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> jeez setting more aggressive lines in Vegas back here. alright yeah I'm, uh, I was definitely buying five six makes me gulp a little bit but yeah I'll do it let's go six give me a buy. yeah that's tough Well, I'm going to step in front of Ben
8: before too long. Um.
9: Man, that's a lot. 20% of the teams would have to take an international player. I know there's a bunch that are, like, right on the bubble. Um.
2: So does Lamelo Ball count? He
9: does not. No. no, he is a domestic product for this question. Even though he played overseas, he doesn't count. Correct. Okay. Um.
2: Man. So He's- R.J. Hampton wouldn't count either. Correct. I'm selling it. They're not going to get to six.
8: Yeah, I too am selling it. I have not consulted an NBA draft board in a hot minute. Um, but I think there's enough uh, domestic talent that uh, NBA teams will not have to rely on as many international players. And the fact that Pamela doesn't count makes me think that six is a bit too much. So let's sell.
9: All right, we'll finish off with Brett's question, also in the NBA. Buy or sell that LaMelo Ball is the first overall draft pick and scores at least 15 in his NBA debut. Uh, Standing in for Brett, I am going to sell. I am wary of both parts of that question.
1: I do think he's probably the number one pick. And I'm going to go against my trend here of never buying an and question, but I'm going to buy this one.
9: (laughs) History in the making.
1: Wow. Earth-shattering, tectonic movement
8: here on Buy Sell. I'm going to
2: sell it. I'm not sold he's the first pick either. I know that's the sexy trend the last few days. A lot of people think Anthony Edwards from Georgia, he he was originally going to be the number one pick. James Wiseman's definitely in that conversation. And 12 points is a decent amount for a rookie. 15 even. And, and I'm remembering the uh, – I know the Minnesota backcourt is a little less crowded now. Yeah, I'm selling. I, I'm pretty yeah. confident
8: in my answer. I'm selling that as well. I do think he does get picked up first overall. However, 15 points in the debut, that's asking a – fair amount from a rookie and you never know how much is he gonna play what if he gets dinged up uh, so I, i'm gonna sell that and that is the end cool
1: if sell great good stuff there Greg Trapp back with you on a Wednesday night of sports. I'm delighted to be joined now by Matt Cotney. You'll hear Matt with us on our football broadcast on Saturday. And and then as we get into the next couple of weeks, women's basketball returns for the Huskers. And today was a big day for Amy Williams as she announced the signature of five new players into the program. Welcome. How are you? you?
10: Oh, Greg, I always love uh, National Signing Day because you always can look into the future and see uh, just where your program is going. What a big day for Amy Williams. Uh, you know, really, this kind of reminds me of the 2007 class that you just felt like you could put them on the floor and have somebody at every position and a lot of talent on there.
1: Take us through the group.
10: Well, uh, we've known uh, many of these names verbally committed for a while and, you know, some later than others. But Kendall Coley, uh, six foot 6'2", uh, kind of combo forward guard, out of the state of Minnesota that name might be familiar to Huster fans because her sister chase, uh, started for two years in Iowa. This will be the second sister of a former Iowa player that Nebraska has. They have Annika Stewart this year. And now, Kendall Coley, who I know Amy Williams is very excited about. Uh, and then of course, I think the story here is that her best friend, Kennedy Orr is the number one volleyball recruit in the nation. And she's coming to play for John Cook. So they're kind of a package deal. And I think that, uh, Coley is going to have an immediate impact. And then, of course, right here in Lincoln, Alexis Markowski, uh, you know, had verbally committed to another school but then changed her commitment once COVID-19 happened, decided that she really wanted to be closer to home and play where Father Andy did. Uh, and She had the big state tournament, tied Marquise Ivy's record in Class A, uh, in, in the Class A state tournament last year, and has really developed in the last couple of years. She is a Big Ten center. Uh, Greg, at least her body type, at six foot three, I think she fits in perfectly. Not over, not only with Nebraska, but the Big Ten. Kendall Moriarty comes out of Bennett Academy in the, the Chicagoland area, and that school is known for producing some really great talent. Uh, the last one of, of note was Kathleen Doyle, who was the Big Ten Player of the Year. Iowa originally committed to Nebraska, and then uh, went to Iowa after the coaching change. I think the thing about Kendall Moriarty at five foot ten is she comes in already known for her defense. And I can count on one hand the number of people that I think were ready to play at a a Big Ten level when they came out of high school. Uh, Kendall Moriarty certainly is there. She'll she'll be a a huge defensive stopper for Nebraska. Six-foot-five, Tatiana Popa uh, comes to Nebraska out of many different schools. Uh, She's kind of bounced around in her high school career playing for different elite Uh, kind of academy. She's at Brewster Academy right now. Last year played in West Virginia. And, you know, her lineage is her father. uh, He played in the NBA um, and played at the University of Miami. And then a name familiar to many Nebraska prep fans, Allison Widener out of Humphrey St. Francis at 5'10". Everybody knows what a great state tournament she had last year. And I think she really – uh, had her recruiting profile increase with her summer play on her AAU team. So just what a great class that I think will come in and immediately help, not obviously this year, but next year.
1: There's some real links in this class. Wouldn't you think I mean that as you're rattling those off, I'm like, man, that there she's really added to the size of this team by this group. Not
10: only uh the ones that just pop out at you like Popa at six foot five and Markowski at six foot three. But I really think people need to keep an eye on Kendall Moriarty because everything I read and everything I've seen on video on Moriarty is she's 5'10", but her arms, her length, she's a, she's a big 5'10 in, in the way she uses her arms. She gets in passing lanes, gets a lot of skill. So you're exactly right. That's a very astute observation that Amy Williams has gotten really big with this group
1: yeah and i think that's probably been needed as you made your way through the big 10 year after year buckle up and put the phone down a reminder from the ndot highway safety office visiting with matt Cotney here on sports on a big day for amy williams espn i guess has it as a top 25 class so uh this one's going to turn some heads you've been around this staff now matt for a couple of years talk to me about the recruiting aspect of this staff who kind of takes the lead in some of these
10: you know, what's interesting, uh, of all the years I've been in women's basketball, this is really the first staff I've ever seen where you can't say this is your recruiting coordinator, uh, whether it's it's by title or not. They all have very equal parts, although I would say, now knowing them for a while, that Tom Gailey has done the bulk of the international recruiting. he got Ruby Porter and uh, Izzy Bourne, largely out of Australia. Uh, I think probably Chuck Love does a better job in the upper Midwest and Candomese and the Southern part. Uh, But Amy Williams is an unbelievably great recruiter everywhere. And she puts in a lot of hours uh, on the road as all coaches do, but there's not really one coach that you say, this is your ace recruiter. And I think that's, I, they, I think they really like it that way. That's how they've operated effectively even going back to the South Dakota days.
1: Do you notice a trend on kind of where pockets of the country that they're they're kind of getting some ins on? I mean, Minnesota looks like an area that they go. You mentioned one in this class from Chicago. Are you starting to see some trends about where they're kind of attacking and kind of trying to plant their flag a little bit?
10: Well, I, I know they love Minnesota, and they've been very effective there with Sam Heidi. Ah, uh, they did get Kayla Mershon, who transferred back to Minnesota. I think more having to do with uh, with the pandemic and being homesick. But you're looking at Kendall Coley out of Minnesota right now. They got Anika Stewart out of Minnesota. They got Mershon and Ivy out of Minnesota. Uh, there is a wealth of talent uh, in the Minneapolis area. Two extraordinarily good AAU programs, and I think they have a better relationship. With one of those AAU programs and then previous staffs that we've had here, that's been really good. They've done very well in Chicago, as you've noted. Uh, even though they, um, Mariarity is is the only one out of the Chicago area, they continue to work in that area, and that fits in really well with the Big Ten footprint. So um, they're not afraid to go international, as they've done with Australia. They're not mm-hmm. afraid to go to the East Coast, like they did with Popa. But uh, I think you nailed it. Minnesota and Chicago are two high recruiting areas for the staff.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what it seems like to me. Again, visiting Matt Cotney here on Sports Nightly. Matt's one of only three people in Lincoln that knows the upcoming schedule, but he's been sworn to secrecy. It's been (laughs) kind of crazy, hasn't it? I mean, here we are. We're we're two weeks away from what college basketball has said is the opening day of the season, and we don't have schedules. This is crazy.
10: It it is unbelievable, and, you know, the people I trust don't know it. And I'm not trying to be coy here things change with this pandemic with rules if you look on schools websites with teams you hear that nebraska may play they have not announced the schedule uh the big 10 hasn't announced the schedule and i think uh reporting today from wisconsin greg guard's press conference makes it clear that this isn't just a women's basketball issue the men are also trying to figure it out there are a lot of unknowns right now and uh, I am more than prepared to call a basketball game as early as uh, the 25th if one appears. But right now there's no schedule. It's crazy.
1: Great, yeah, it is. It's bizarre. Um, I got you down for 9 a.m. Saturday. You good for that?
10: I am. I, you know, usually I do about 10 minutes on my scoreboard, and I keep running out of games, so I keep <laughs> having to find more things to talk about with teams that are going to play. And it's unbelievable. How many games have been canceled this week, Greg? I think we're up to eight right now, and that Cal Arizona State game looks to be in trouble right now. The SEC's down to three games. The Big Ten's lost a game, but uh, I will be there. You know, I, I will. I will give you a full scoreboard of what is out there at 9 a.m. on Saturday Very morning. Good. Believe me.
1: Very good. And you and Steve, you guys have been able to walk out of there for dinner time. This has been pretty convenient to start to this thing with these 11 a.m. kicks.
10: I have a lot of fans tell me they hate the 11 a.m. game, and I look at them, and I'm like, I am home at
1: 6.45.
10: Please, please don't tell me that, because it's the greatest thing in the world for me, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, Coach, appreciate the rundown tonight. We'll talk to you again on Saturday. All right, Sharpie, stay safe.